Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 What a great day, right? Father's Day is such a special day. I love being a dad. Uh, I've got, man, probably about 100 funny stories I want to tell you, but I'll try to only weave in one or two. Uh, but uh, being a dad is, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest joys in my life. My girls bring me so much joy. Girls, I love you so much. You bring me so much joy. Uh, we have a great, very transparent relationship. Um, actually, Sayla goes, I have your belt on, it fits. I'm like, wow, that's sad. <laughs> but uh, it's cool. Yeah, we're very, we're very real. <laughs> Anybody like that with your kids? Like, you know, any, any of you parents out there, your kids start to get a little too fond, right? You, they walk around the corner, what's up, brah? I'm like, I'm not your brah. I'm not your B-R-U-H. I'm your dad. <laughs> but being a parent is a lot of fun. Being a dad is a lot of fun. Um, I need all the, all the dads to, you know, confess today. If you have ever said these words, <laughs> don't tell mom. Come on. <laughs> Anybody? I see that hand. <laughs> I'll see you at the altar, my brother. <laughs> don't tell mom. I think I say that once a month, maybe once a week. Don't tell mom. Being a dad is a lot of fun. It's, it's important for you to know how incredibly loved you are. And I know if, you, if you've been to this church for any amount of time, especially the last four or five years as, as uh, your pastor, it's something I preach on a lot, is this idea of God being our father. And that, that it's, it's and to me, it's the most important thing you can know. I think Jesus was really intentional, right, about showing that he was doing his father's work. And he always said... I'm doing what I see my father doing. I'm saying what I hear my father saying. And it's just interesting to me that when you read the Gospels, Jesus could have said, I only come to do what the great designer told me to do. Right? Couldn't he have said that? Is God the great designer? Could he have said, I'm only doing what the creator tells me to do? Could he have said that? Could he have said, I'm only doing what the master, sovereign Lord. He could have said any of these things. They were all true. But what did he always say? The Father. And I want that to settle in your heart today. Just say those words when they say the Father. It's important for you to understand that he made it clear that he is our Father. And I realize that today can be hard for some of you, uh, maybe even most of you, because um, there's something I'm going to say a few times in the sermon. And I'll just say it now. I want you to hear this that our earthly fathers, no matter how good they are, no matter how great, even if you had a great father, they'll always come short for what father God is. There's a hole in all of our hearts that only father can fill, right? So me personally, I had a great, amazing father. Amazing, incredibly blessed. Couldn't be more blessed. Um, but here's the thing. Our earthly father, if you were to say from here to the ground, and you say, you know, I had, a, I had a really terrible dad. And maybe there's a lot of hurtful words, maybe you're ignored or rejected. Or great dad, do you know that here to the stars is where the Father is, the Father God is, though? Here to the stars. And in his book by Dr. Dr. Cloud, Henry Cloud wrote a recent book, a new book. He talked about six different types of, of parenting. I'm just going to mention them very briefly 
So then we can look at who the Father is. Good, performance-based, passive, absentee, authoritarian. Good, God provides, or I'm sorry, provides for, cares for, is present. Right? Unconditional, express love, security, comfort, affirmation, provision, and purpose. That would be the perfect, a good, or a good father. Performance-oriented is demanding obedience and performance. The result is a striving and an inability to rest. Right? We're condensing a book into about two minutes, so everybody just put your seatbelt on. Okay, here we go. Passive, they're, they're home, but they're not home. So they're a roommate. And as I'm preaching, some of you, as I'm teaching, some of you go, okay, that, that was my dad. Lack of emotion. Absentee, they're simply not around. They're, they're absent, right? So what's the, what's the result of that is a lack of, a lack of intimacy and a fear, an insecurity of will there be provision. Authoritarian is a, prioritizing the law over love, so there's a lack of identity. There's rules over relationship. Abusive. Emotionally, physically, sexually abusive, shame, guilt, anger, the result of trust, those are the results. And as I read those, some of you might say, oh, man, you know what? That's how I grew up, that number two one. Or maybe the third one, like, you know what? My dad was just absent. And I want to tell you that no matter what you experienced, no matter what you experienced, God can heal that wound in your heart. I promise you that. I've seen it over and over and over again, God can heal that wound in your heart. That wound. You know, over 80% of those who are in prison in the juvenile justice system grew up without a father. And there's so many statistics, I don't have time to share them all, but I wanna tell you, having a father in the home is priceless. And being, a, being there for your kids. So all the dads, I applaud you. Be, be there. Continue to be there. Continue to show that affirmation and that love. And I want to tell you, though, as dads, if you didn't get that, I want to tell you this morning, Father God can give you that. I promise you. Father God can give you that. Only God can be the perfect father to you. I know I already said it, but I want to say it again. Only Father God can be the perfect father to you. If you had hurtful things said to you, if you had lies spoken to you as a child that still sometimes haunt you to this day, and I've talked with the left people over the last 18 years of ministry that those lies, they tend to live there in your mind uh, rent-free. And they affect a lot of the ways that you think and therefore live. And I'm not going to ask a raise of hands or anybody to come forward. Just in your heart, just in your heart, nod if you know what I'm talking about. There are lies. There are hurtful things that were said to you as a 10-year-old or 16-year-old or 20-year-old that sometimes can still affect you. 10 years later, 20, 30 years later, I have good news for you today. While that's true, you know what else is true? Father God can root out those lies and replace them with truth. He can tell you, you are wonderfully made. 
He can tell you that Psalm 139, he says he crafted you. He can crafted you, wonderfully made. Not one hair out of place. Some of you are like, not one hair on my head. But, right? Handcrafted you. Made you with a purpose. Philippians 1.6 says he's going to fulfill that purpose. He will complete it. Amen? We see a lot about the Lord in the Lord's Prayer. I want you to turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And before you're, or as you're turning there, I want to kind of set this up. Jesus has been teaching about a various, various subjects, and he, his disciples are asked, or ask him, rather, how they're supposed to pray. Because they're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together that he's God, and they've heard it said a certain way, and there's Jewish custom, and there's all these kind of Hebrew traditions. And so they're saying, well, if you're the son of God, you're, you're the Messiah, you're the new revelation of who God is, then how do we pray? So I want you to listen to what he says. Matthew 6, chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. Beware beware practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. So let's just stop right there. We could camp right there for a while. Because here's the thing. That's an evidence of striving and insecurity. If you do things so that others will see you, it's because you want approval. But you can only get approval and the affirmation that you desire from Father God. And if we're honest, we've all seen this at work. And if we're really honest, we've all seen it in the mirror. Maybe we've said something at work, or we've done something at work, or at the house, or at a get-together, and, and, and then you realize, oh, you know what? I'm actually just trying to win their approval. I told them that so they would think whatever of me. No, only Father God can, out, can root that out. Amen? So look at this. If you live like that, you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. We say, Father... Look how many times it's going to say this. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so that they could be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, the Holy Spirit tells you to give, you just give. You just give. So that your giving is in secret. Now listen to this. And your father, there it is again. We say father. Who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners so that they can be seen. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. You see that intimacy with the Father, that aloneness with the Father that you can develop. Now, what's amazing is Jesus exemplified this. And when you look at Jesus, how many would you say, if, if you, when you read the Gospels and you're reading the Bible, you look at Jesus and you're like, man, he had a great relationship with his Father, Father God, right? Can I tell you something? Jesus is teaching over and over and over, you can have that same relationship. You can have the same friendship with Father God. That's amazing. That's beautiful. And what's it say? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Then he goes on, verse uh, 9, he says, pray like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We're going to preach on this this fall. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? Other gospels will add, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, the glory forever, amen. God wants you to know that he wants to be your father and that it's not just his father, but it's our father. Everybody say our father. Jesus, who is the son of God, the perfect sinless son who came in the form of a human body like yours and mine, this shell, if you will, he came to demonstrate who the father is. Over and over, he calls God father. You see, in this journey of faith, you need to understand something. Sonship, being a child of God, is the most important thing. Now, some of you might say, I think you said that last week. I did. I did. It's just like when you're teaching music theory. It's, it's like, okay, here's a major scale, and you say it again the next week. Why? It's the most important thing you need to understand. If you don't understand that God loves you unconditionally before you perform or do anything for him, then you're just going to be striving through life. I'm telling you, you'll be on the hamster wheel. You'll be, you'll be at age 40, age 50, still trying to learn what it means to be happy and striving and striving and striving. Wondering what's missing. I'll tell you what's missing. Simply being loved. Sonship is the most important thing. Because you can arrive at a destination that may feel good or may feel unwanted, like we talked about last week, some of the unwanted destinations. And you can arrive at that new destination in life, that new season, and li listen, still have joy because you're your father's child. See, the core of your identity is your sonship, your childlike, your childness, if that's a word, of God. Everybody just put your hands like this for a second. Just, this, is the, this is the core of who you are, all right? No, we're not going Dr. Phil, so this is, this is just, just bear with me. This is the core of who you are. Outside of that, expand that, that's your personality. Outside of that, that's your giftings, which then play into your seasons in life. How many of you guys have ever had your seasons in life change? Suddenly you're like, uh, I did not want a demotion. Uh, boss, I did, not need, I did not want you to move me to New York, to Greenville, or, to, or I did not want you to do me this. I did not want those change, but guess what never changes? Everybody just put your hands back. You're a child of God. The core of who you are is a child of God. Loved. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're loved whether you like it or not. And by the way, our understanding of his love and ability to trust him is always growing, isn't it? Right? I was at the zoo last week with my children. As you know, I have five children. Let's just let that sink in. Five. Five. You know, my oldest children, uh, Salem and Ellie, they're able to go off for a while, right? They're able to go and look at the, the, the tiger or the lion or whatever, and they, they know they just got to be able to see me, right? Because they're older now. They're, more, they're maturing. And I've got Eva and Eden um, right here, and they're, they're six. Well, I guess their age is wrong. Oh, Lord, help me. Six and eight. Yes. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Any of you dads out there just mess up the date? Listen, I was trying to get a prescription last month. Yeah, she goes, what's, what's her birthday? I said, December 1st. She goes, no. I was like, 
November 29th. She goes, no. I said, May 1st. She goes, no. Then she goes, are you sure this is your child? I said, lady, I got two more. I got two more. March 1st. She goes, ding, ding, ding. I was like, yes. She thought I was about to, she thought I was trying to get prescription drugs. Anyway, it was, it was a great moment. I felt like an amazing father. Um, what was I saying? Oh, we're at the zoo, right? And now Eva and Eden, they're still, you know, they're still young, right? So I have to make sure they're not climbing up, right? And we don't want them to wander into the bear area. Uh, Lucas, you know, he's on a leash. Just keep that out of the podcast. You see what I'm saying? Why? Right? He's tie him down because he's going to run. He will wander. In, he, will, he will see the otters and he will dive in and just start swimming. You know? Why? His maturity level. Oh, let it sink in. Some of y'all on a leash. Oh, yeah. Holy Spirit speaking. Right? Somebody like, God, why aren't you answering that prayer? God's like, you're on a leash, buddy. I'm still growing you. I'm still maturing you. Why didn't you answer that prayer yet? God's like, just going to hold you right here next to me. <laughs> you need to know me right now, not those otters. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, that could have been for you if you're listening. Come on. Now, some of you are 12 years into the Christian life, but you should be on a leash. But I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that. That's all right. Woo! Don't make me go full Apostle Paul on you right now. Some of you are still drinking milk. All right, we won't go there. God is our father. He's not just your father. He's our father. All right, so I want everybody to say this. Read this slide with me. God is not just your father. He is our father. All right, now this time say it like a big group of Pentecostals. Nice and loud. Here we go. God is not just your father. He is our father. There we go. Now, when this settles in, now you start to love people because you see them the way the father sees them. If some of you are saying, I don't know why I'm a jerk at work. I don't know why. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Sorry. I, <laughs> songwriter in me just comes out. I don't know why I mean at, at work. You know, I, I can't control it. Maybe you need to get a little closer to the father, spend some more time with the father, let his love fill you, and suddenly you will start to see people the way the father sees them. Therefore, you will love them. Therefore, you will treat them the way the father sees them. I want you to turn in your Bibles. We won't read the whole passage. I just want to tell you what happened. Uh, turn, in, turn to Luke chapter 2 and put your pencil there, your bookmarker there. I want to just tell you what happened. You need to understand what the gospel is all about is God seeing you and seeing Jesus. Paul says it like this, we are hidden in Christ. We're hidden. Our identity becomes his. How many of you read in 1 Corinthians where he says, right, I was buried with Christ. I was resurrected with Christ. He goes on to say, it is no longer me who lives, but what? Christ in me. Right? So you need to understand that's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. That all of your striving... All of your, I've got to get my act together. Is it good to want to please God? Of course. So don't misunderstand me, but you need to understand the power of the gospel is letting Jesus get all the glory. Amen. Letting Jesus, where you say, oh, you know what? Jesus is the one who is perfect. 
Jesus is the one who is perfect, and I am hidden in Christ. Because without this, you will, fear, you, will, you will come away from God and you will say, no, I, I don't even deserve to be in church. I won't be in church or I don't want anything to do with them. But then when you see how good God is, you see Jesus is about to go into ministry, right? He's like 30 years old and he's been living and he's about to go into ministry. He's about to go into the desert for 40 days of being tested. And what does he do before he does that? He goes and he's water baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, right? And this is my favorite part of this new, this new book, The Process of Leader. This is my favorite part of it, because listen to this. Jesus hears three things. If you're taking notes, he hears three things. This is my son, right? This is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased. Do you know what every human on this planet wants? They know their identity, they want to feel affection, and they want affirmed. And only God can do that for you. This is my son, my son. You see, when Lukey's on the football field and just plowing people over, because I'm just telling you that's probably going to happen, so just forgive him now. If your child's on the other side, forgive me now. No, I'm just kidding. When that's happening and I go, that's my son, right? I might go, in whom I am well pleased. No, I won't do that. Could be a little weird. But like, that's my son, right? I'd be like, go son. If I say go son, how many of you guys have ever che che cheered for your child at a game, Right? Yeah, good job, honey. And you're like, oh, he said honey. That must be his daughter, right? Right? That's my son. So your identity. Whom I love. You know what every person, including you, wants to hear? That you are loved by your father. That's why the deepest wound that can ever come into a person's life is to not feel the affection from their father. And then check this out. What's the third thing? in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I need to hear this. What every child wants to hear most is, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. This is why dads, of all the dads out there, listen, that's the best thing you can tell your, your kids, I'm proud of you. It's one thing I love about my dad. He'll just text me sometimes, I'm proud of you, right? You know, my dad used to grab, grab me. I was like 14 years old. He grabbed my shoulders and he'd make me eggs every morning. No joke, he's... I was allergic, but he, he fed him to me for 14 years until, <laughs> until I overcame it, right? I would sit there and sneeze like 10 times. He'd be like, just give me a no. Okay. Thank you, Father. <laughs> hey, I overcame it. It took a decade and a half, but it worked. So <laughs> I wasn't going to say that part. That was unscripted, but that was not the point of the story. I want you to hear the point. He'd put his hands on my shoulders after I sneezed once. He'd put his hand on my shoulders, and he'd say, son, I'm proud of you. You're going to change the world. Now, as a 14-year-old, right? You always have to act cool, right? Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but inside, I'm going, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Dad. Right? Crazy part is I believed him. I believed him. And he said to me every day, Jeremy, you, you can change the world. The, the affection and the affirmation that can come from a father is priceless. And I'm telling you, there's been times I went to try something really hard and I could just hear my dad going, you can do it. You can change the world. And I want to tell you something. There's three things, I'm just going to say it again, that Jesus received that day. 
And by the way, it was audible. Everybody heard it. There's something powerful about that. Father God saying, this is my son. Identity, everybody say identity. Whom I love, everybody say affection. And he says, whom I'm well pleased, say affirmation. Three things that only God can give you. Go to God for your identity. Sir, your, your value is not defined by your paycheck. Sir, your value is not defined by whether you got that promotion in the last five years or 10 years or whatever. Your value is already defined by God. Amen? Look at this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 8. Skip to verse 14. We're going to skip to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. This is such a powerful verse. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Oh, sometimes I just want to read scripture. I'm, I'm going to have some sermons coming up where I just read scripture for 40 minutes, right? Come on, listen to this. Yes, it's so powerful. The spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Do you know that when the ocean waves come into the shore, that whoosh, whoosh, that's, that's the waves waiting on you to realize you're a child of God. All of creation... When a volcano erupts, what it's saying is, Ava, do you know who you are? That's what it's saying. When a storm comes in, how many of you guys had a storm, felt that storm come in, that wind storm, right? That wind comes in, all of creation is waiting for you to realize how loved you are. Waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Isn't that powerful? Turn to your neighbor and say, It's powerful. What we have to understand is that we are in this family together. Family. Everybody say family. I'm telling you, I, I honestly, somebody say, well, isn't this like so, it's so like kindergarten level. Listen, the greatest, deepest revelation you could ever have is that you're in a family and God's your father. You're, you're, there's, there's no deeper revelation than that. That's, that is the bedrock that is the bedrock. So some Christians, here's the problem, want the presence of God without the people of God. Can I preach to you? But you can never reach the potential destinations that the Father intends you to go to without the people of God. You can't fulfill your purpose alone. God is our Father. Now, how do you reach those destinations? We talked about this last week. God gives you the grace gifts that enable you to do his will. But what is his will? How many have ever wondered, but what is the will of the Father for my life? Jesus knew the will of his Father, right? I'm going to teach. I'm going to make these followers, these disciples, heal the sick and deliver people who are bound up by demons and oppression and all kinds of stuff that controls, controls them. I'm going to bring deliverance and healing. 
give his life on the cross, raise three days later. And what did he say in the garden? Not my will, but yours. That tells you right there his humanity, the humanity part of him. He had to surrender. In the same way, hear me, that, the, that Jesus had to surrender his will to the Father, we need to surrender our will to the Father. Will talked about it in worship. The greatest victory comes in defeat when we come to an end of ourselves. And we say, I am not strong enough. I am not good enough. God is. The greatest victories you will have in your life is when you surrender to the Father. Everybody say that word with me, surrender. We have the greatest privilege ever, guys, to be the children of God collectively. I look out and some of I, I, I look out and I see your stories. I see your faces and I know your stories. You, you share with one another. You share meals with one another. I look out at some of the fam teams. Like I said earlier, some of the kids' ministry teams, the worship teams. I look at you and I see there are deacons and you're serving. You're telling me, oh, I was on the phone with her. I got to pray with her. Oh, man, he was having a terrible day and God had me call him at just the right time. What is that? That's the family. Everybody say family. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing more beautiful than that. We have the greatest privilege ever to be considered the children of God. Now, I want you to hear this. What is our mission now? That's who we are. But what's our mission? It's to communicate this truth to others. It's to bring sons and daughters into God's family. You say, well, I want to know what God's will is for my life. I'll tell you what God's will is for your life. To bring more sons and daughters into the Father's house. You say, but what about my giftings? What about my, yeah, all those are unique. And you'll discover those. And God will take you into different seasons and God will help you learn new things as you get older and as you mature. But none of that changes the ultimate will of our life, right, is to glorify God by doing what? Giving the lamb the reward of his suffering, bringing sons and daughters into the family of God. You'll have so much joy in stepping in to that will. I remember, I just, I remember one time being at this event with about four, four or five youth groups all together. And we were ministering and this young man just stood out to me, and this, that prophetic thing came on me. And I, I said, hey, right there. And I remember he had this, this uh, hoodie on with his head down. He was real small framed, kind of like my side where like, he was like 12 years old, but just a real small frame young man, right? He's real, yes, real small. And thank you for that. Appreciate that. But, you know, looking at him, I was like, man, he's just, he's, he just reminded me of myself with his size. So, um, and I remember I pointed out, I said, the song had ended and I want you to hear this. I feel led to share this because some of you need to hear this. I said, hey, third row with the hood on. Can you look up on me? He looks up. And I said, you are a leader like your dad, but you will not be like your dad. And he just starts crying. So you will lead like your dad leads, but it will be for good. And God has called you his son. And he says, I'm proud of you and I'll never threaten you and I'll never hurt you. Well, I wasn't expecting this, but he comes up. He just walks up and I was like, oh boy, what's gonna happen? Part of me was excited about him, part of me didn't know. I was like, does he have a weapon? Like, I don't know. know. He walks up and he says, can I say something? And I handed him the mic and he goes, my dad's a drug dealer in Pittsburgh and everybody does what he says. 
and I just don't want to be like my dad. And that's all I can think about. And he goes, but today God is answering a lot of my questions. God's answering all my questions. And it's just one moment with the Father, one moment with the Father is just changing his life. And I want to tell you, you can give those moments to people where they realize how loved they are by the Father. And it's not rocket science. It's not you go to seminary. No, it's just you have ears to hear and you say, Holy Spirit, what, why are you pointing this person out? You're in line at the store. And how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're in line at the store and somebody just stands out to you. It's like God takes his giant highlighter and highlights them. And you're like, what are you saying, Lord? And the Lord might be saying, just pay for their groceries. And while you're paying for their groceries, you say, you know what? Father God loves you. And you watch lies break right there. And their trajectory of their life changes because they know God loves them. Amen? You are loved unconditionally, never changing. You are loved. I want you to stand up as we close. I want to share one last story with you. This comes from Luke chapter 5. I'll just share the story with you. I won't read the whole text, but I just want to share this. Luke chapter 5. One day Jesus was teaching, and there wasn't enough room for everybody to get in. So these four guys bring their friend on a mat. And what you have to understand is in that culture, if you were paralyzed, you were left to beg. And there was this underlying belief, and actually not underlying, it was actually a spoken belief that it, their sin had caused them to be paralyzed. That's why so often people would say to Jesus, well, who sinned, the father the mother or them, because they were always looking for who's to blame. That's how you know. If you, by the way, if you're not lined up with the gospel yet, you're always looking for who's to blame. Jesus is looking who's to heal, and a religious spirit says who's to blame. So the religious people come to him, and they say, you can't forgive his sins, because what does Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Now, wait a minute. That's not the problem. He's paralyzed. I mean, think about it. what if that's you? You're paralyzed. Your friends drop you through the roof. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, he, had a, he had a choice, right? Like, well, Jesus, that's not why I'm here. Right? That's not why I'm here. I need healed. But what happened in that moment? I want you to hear this. Son, your sins are forgiven. Go back to your home. Jesus knew the real problem was he probably had a lot of hurt and bitterness towards dad. And his real paralyzation was in his heart. So he said, son, maybe he hasn't heard that word in 10 years. He's been begging on the streets. Can't work, can't, doesn't have the dignity that his brothers or his siblings have. And what does Jesus say? Son. The words that we all want to hear, my child, son, your sins are forgiven. What does he say? Go home. That's probably the last place he wants to be. And what was the implication? Go home and forgive mom and dad for leaving you on the side of the road. Can I tell you what God cares most? About your heart. You just put your hand on your heart, just bow your heads. I want you to understand something. God cares most about your heart. 
you might say, well, I'm doing really good. I, I have a good job, Pastor Jordan, and I'm doing really good. But are you actually, in your heart of hearts, is there a lot of bitterness? Is there anger towards mom or dad or towards others? Or how about this, maybe towards yourself? Can't forgive yourself from something that happened in your 20s or in your teens? Even last year, can I tell you something? God can forgive you right now. And God can teach you to forgive yourself. God can forgive you right now and teach you to forgive yourself. What I've been learning lately in different books and different courses and taking is that a lot of times people can't forgive themselves. And they kind of have this idea that God, well, God has to forgive me because he's God. But I can't forgive myself. Just keep your hand on your heart. And I want you to think about this. Everything that's going on in there, God can heal it. That regret and that remorse. You say, well, I, you don't understand. I really had a bad temper and... One day I just got out of control and this happened. I can never take that back. Listen, I understand you can't take that back, but can I tell you something? Jesus right now can heal you of that memory so it doesn't plague your mind right now. I want every head bowed for a minute. I just feel, I feel in my spirit, this altar is taking, altar calls, taking a little bit of a different twist than I thought. And I just feel that some of you you have memories lately that it's like this, you feel really guilty about and you can't let go of them and they keep running through your mind. Nobody's looking around. Can you just raise your hand if you got some memories of some guilt, some things you've done or said that you can't quite shake? Yeah, I see a lot of hands, a lot of guys in here. Yep. Here's the truth, men. God can heal you right now. And I wanna tell you, men, once you've repented, if you've already given that to the Lord, I want to tell you, He has removed it as far as the east is from the west. Men, He has already forgiven you. And if you'll let Him right now heal your heart, and if you haven't repented of it right now, go ahead and repent of it. Say, God, forgive me. Make me a new man. But again, if it's something you're like, you know what, I ask God to forgive me, but it keeps plaguing my mind. Right now, God is bringing healing. Right now, can we all just pray together as a family? Pray for healing right now in the mind. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, bring healing. Holy Spirit, bring, bring a renewal. Right now, God, wash out those memories. God can do it right now. Wash out those thoughts. I also wanna pray this. Let's keep our heads bowed. If you had a very difficult upbringing, and even today, those memories are triggered and it brings up a lot of hurtful emotion, I want you to just slip your hand up and no, no one's looking around. God's gonna heal, bring some healing to you right now. But a lot of times we can't get healing unless we open the Band-Aid and let the wound be seen, let the Neosporin hit it. Yeah, I see a lot of hands, about 20% of you. Keep your heads bowed. I wanna ask again, 
there's something powerful about saying, I need that. It's like, it's like the man with the withered hand and he's, Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Do something you don't wanna do or can't do in front of everybody. So just with your head bowed, if you have, if you have a lot of wounds from growing up, I want you to raise your hand right now and then just slip it back down. Thank you. Yeah, it's about 35% of us. Here we go. We're gonna pray this and we're gonna say, God, let's just all say it together. Dear Father, do what only you can do. Heal me from the inside out. Take every hurtful word, every dagger that pierced my heart and take it out. Replace it with your love. Teach me who I am. Teach me that I'm your child, fully known and fully loved. Teach me, God, that I'm your child, fully known and fully loved. Remind me I don't have to hide from you. I don't have to walk away. I can come to you at any time. So I come to you now. Fill me with your love. Remove all fear with your love. Remove all insecurity with your love. I wanna stop for a minute. Some of you are being healed right now. There's men in here that you have a lot of conversations where you feel the need to impress people, your coworkers. You feel the need to tell them what you just accomplished or what you did. Can I tell you, sir, all that goes away if you realized how much you're loved by the Father. So I want you to pray this. If you're bold, I dare you to pray this bold prayer. Let's continue on. Say, Father God, remove that from my heart. I have nothing to prove because you've already proved your love. I have nothing to gain. I'm trying to impress anyone because I'm incredibly loved. I'm not special because of what I do. I'm special because of who you are. Come on, let's say that again. I'm not special because of what I do. I'm special because of who you are. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Listen, let's keep our heads bowed. If you, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I always want to give this opportunity because maybe this morning you're, you're looking around, you're hearing everybody praying, you realize, you know what, all these people have this relationship with God and I don't have that. If you want that, you wanna be forgiven of your sin, you wanna accept Jesus as the one who died on the cross in your place and you want his father to be your father. If that's you, you say, I need to be saved. I wanna follow Jesus for the first time or the first time in a really long time. Would you raise your hand? and we're gonna all pray together. It's Father's Day. That would be an incredible thing for Father God to look down over the balcony of heaven and see that right now. Raise your hand nice and high so I don't miss you.
We have had people accept Jesus online, so we're gonna pray this together in case someone's watching online. Let's just all pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for sending your son to die in my place. Thank you for teaching me what the kingdom is like, what love is like, and what you want in my life. Wash me clean of my sin. Make me a new creation, your child, adopted in to your family. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 What a great day in God's house together. Isn't it a good day? I can just feel the love of God. I, mean, I, feel, like, I feel like going 90s Disney, you know, like, can you feel the love? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. All right, I'll, I'll keep Lion King out of it. High five somebody on your way out and say, good to see you, brother or